Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Bruni. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, Masters Masters Day, a uh, um, bunch of good, uh, good sporting events going on, even though there's no college sports besides baseball, but North Texas doesn't have baseball. So, And softball. I'm sure there's a softball game out there. Shout out to them. But uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, we were we were joking off the air before this, but I've kind of gotten into watching a little bit of cricket recently. And so that's what I was watching a little before we hopped on here I was watching a cricket game. And uh, it came down to like the last few, uh, I don't know, pitches, overs. I forget what they're called, but came down to the last overs few of those. Right. Overs so it, it was right. exciting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We got to feel like these these days between I mean, because I'm waiting for the NBA playoffs. Yeah. So I'm just filling it with soccer, baseball. And you're filling it with cricket, so that's good. A little, a little soccer here and there, too, for sure. Champions yeah. League's been exciting. That's true. There you go. But, uh, yeah, we got a Q&A-type uh, podcast. We got, what, four people sent in questions, and then we'll run through the depth chart with spring football pretty much over for North Texas now. Um, so, I'll obviously, John is the expert, the insider here, so I'll be throwing it to him and putting a lot of pressure on him throughout this <laughs> podcast. Um but let's start with the questions that we got from Twitter. All right. Um, we appreciate all, all y'all for sending them in. Uh, let's see. Where do we want to start here? Let's start with Sonoy. Um, Do you guys feel more conf- uh, more optimistic about this 2022 season after spring ball than you did after last year's spring ball? So I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer it first. Are you feeling more optimistic now? And it's hard because you have to think back about last year, how you were feeling last year, which is so let's start with that. Last year, leaving spring ball. I don't know how I was feeling actually. Cause you think about it. Yeah. I mean, shorter, bush. Because most everybody was healthy at that point, huh? Yeah. But you had Ani being offensive line I, I don't know it felt like because that was the first year without mason fine uh or, or I, maybe you're going too far back yeah i'm going too far back that was two years ago um yeah. see okay i don't know if if i can compare last year to this year obviously because i'm not at spring ball this year so I, i'll let you do that um but this 2022 season i mean there feels like a good amount of optimism around it at this point yeah. and I, there's always optimism around spring ball at any team in the country, but at this point, I mean, you can't really ask for too much more. I mean, I feel like you've, you've been able to see a lot. So what, what have been your takeaways? How, where's your optimism level? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think the optimism's fairly high at this point. Um, I wasn't around for a ton of spring last year. I really got more into it during the fall, but I think generally, yeah, more optimism. I mean, Part of that is, like you said, being in the spring, so far away from the season, you know, the old cliche, everybody's undefeated at this point of the year. So, I mean, but there, there is plenty of reason to be optimistic and we'll get into plenty of that stuff as time goes on. But like there's some exciting newcomers on this team, some exciting guys coming back who seem like poised to step into kind of a bigger role for the team. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different stuff going around and even with you know, some of the guys who haven't seen a lot of time during the spring, getting some of those guys back, you know, some optimism to be had there as well. I think, I mean, spring in general is just kind of the time of optimism for football teams. And I think there's plenty to be optimistic around North Texas. So I'd say generally more optimistic than last season. Here's a question I have. I'll be sprinkling in my questions throughout their questions. Um, with the losses of Deonoville, you know, DeAndre Torrey, um, you know, some of the more experienced and established players like that, how have you seen players, I don't, I don't want to say step up because that's kind of cliche, but, you know, step up or how, how have you seen the team react to not having those guys? I mean, and not for nothing, the Murphys, uh, just, you know, a lot of players. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll start with Tori. I think, I mean, really my idea of what the running backs position was going to be coming into this year was I thought they were going to be just fine with all the depths they have in there. I mean, you look at guys like Akaika Ragsdale, Isaiah Johnson, Io Adeyi, Oscar Attaway when he gets back. Like, they've got a lot of guys in that room who can help fill some of that gap. I mean, we mentioned it last year. You can't always fill sort of the big playmaking ability that Attaway had, or uh, sorry, Tory had. But, like, Attaway's a guy who, once he gets all the way back up to speed from an ACL, you certainly feel like he can be a guy that can 
give you some of that big play type stuff. And I mean, not to get too ahead of myself, but Akaika Ragsdale has been pretty impressive through spring ball here as well. Like he, he's looked like he genuinely might could be the number one running back, depending, you know, how well Attaway comes back come the fall. Cause Attaway really hasn't been involved much this spring and Akaika's looked really good. Yeah. All right. Next question um, from Billy. They seem to be recruiting edge rushers. Are there any other positions you could see them going after in the portal before the season starts? Got to be offensive line to me. Um, just with, you know, they, they've got a decent amount of guys in that room, but it, it looks like they're going to look to pick up another offensive lineman or two. They've had some of those guys on campus. They uh, had a receiver from Illinois on campus a few days ago as well. Um, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, so I would say offensive line and maybe a receiver, but mostly offensive line at this point, just with the fact, I mean, you lose a guy like Jacob Brammer and they, they've had guys step up and kind of play in that position, but I don't feel crazy confident in the depth pieces they have there beyond, you know, the returning starters, which is Daisy on Carroll, Manasseh Mose, Gabe Blair, Cole Brown. Cole Brown hasn't seen a ton of time in spring, but expect him to be, you know, all good and being the starter when the fall rolls around. So to me, just adding somebody, you know, either to step up in that right tackle spot or just some more quality depth with some of the pieces they've lost. I mean, Chris Cassidy hit the portal. John Brunner's another guy who hit the portal. They lost some of those depth pieces who had a lot of experience. So I think there's just a fair amount of uncertainty in that room, which is why I see them probably adding another transfer or two uh, along the O-line. So not a quarterback. Uh, I mean, you never know with who hits the portal, you know, as spring winds down. I'm sure there will be some QBs hitting the portal. Maybe North right. Texas will have a chance at one of those. I mean, they, they have trimmed that QB room down from what it was. I mean, because really yeah. now you've only got Reuter, Ani, Earl, and uh, Head. So I can see them adding one more QB to that room unless they really, you know, with Blesh taking over in there, maybe he feels better about just having the four guys in there. Maybe he feels good about where they're at. But, I mean, Dang. I can see a quarterback. Dang, I said that kind of tongue-in-cheek. And now you're selling. Now you're now you're confirming my fears. Uh, don't 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 scare me like this. Um, I, I do think Billy brought it up initially, but defensive line is an interesting one, and we, we don't have to get into the, the mm. depth of the defensive line. We'll do that later. But as far as transfer portal goes, do you, do you think they could still use some depth uh, on the? They line? they might could use another as uh you know Billy was hinting at with the edge rusher spot. They maybe could use another guy there. I will say like. Sifa Leota is a guy who's really looked good in the um, the devil spot so far throughout spring, uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves there, but like they've got some guys that have looked solid in that role. I'm sure they'd love to add some more uh, either depth pieces or guys that can make the current guys into some depth pieces. Um, so I think the defensive line is an area where, I mean, we talked about it earlier. Uh, it might've been close to after the season was over, but talked about just concerns about the depth along the D line, losing all four starters. I think, you know, they've got some solid pieces there and some guys, some returners that maybe should be expected to step into some bigger roles. But at the same time, I, I could definitely see them adding another D lineman or two. Yeah. All right. His second question. Do you think Attaway reclaims the top running back spot before the season starts? Yeah, this is a great question. And it kind of touched on it a little earlier, but man, I, it's it's always tough to tell. I mean, they'll they'll have a bunch more practices in the fall before anything happens. You'd figure by the time that rolls around, Attaway should be getting close to back to full strength by that point, if not all the way back. Um, my instinct says they're going to want to bring him back slow with the depth they have. And to me, that means Akaika Ragsdale is probably the day one starter, in my opinion. It's super early to say that, but I, I don't see why you wouldn't be cautious with Attaway, considering what he's coming off of, bring him back slow. And uh, I mean, with the quality of guys like Ragsdale, Isaiah Johnson, who's missed some time this spring, but still. The quality of guys like that, I think, makes it easier for you to kind of ease that away back in a little bit. Yeah. All right. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Um, GMG Forever asked, uh, the first question from, from them is, is Ani capable of leading us to a nine-win season? Man, that is a heck of a question. It is. Um, throwing it on you. Honestly, I might need to look at the schedule here for a second and see if there's nine winnable games on here, to be honest, because I'm not sure. I don't know if there's any quarterback who could lead them to nine wins this year. <laughs> I, so, I think it's an easier schedule than last year. It is. It definitely is. I, nine wins feels like instinctually that feels like a lot at this yeah, point. But is. like, I mean, UTEP is going to be a challenge to open the season down in El Paso in like 100 degree weather, you know, 
end of August, but like should beat Texas Southern, probably should beat UNLV, maybe a chance at SMU this year, getting them in Denton. I mean, you don't expect that, but there's a chance. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can come out of that first stretch three and one, and then you find a way to beat uh, La Tech, maybe find a way to pull one on FAU. That gets you to five wins, and then you got to beat FIU, Rice, maybe beat Western. That gets you to eight. I don't know. Nine wins. Nine wins feels like a tall ask considering you got UAB on the schedule, who's always tough, UTSA, both of those on the road. Even Western on the road won't be easy. Then you got Memphis, who's another tough one, and SMU. I mean, that's five games where realistically you got to win three of those to get to nine wins, I think, or two of those at least, and then win everything else. Yeah, I, I just um, don't see nine wins for this team. I don't think so. To answer your question, I guess no. Just you know, because I don't know that any quarterback on this team could lead them to nine wins at this point. That feels a little too optimistic. I'll tell you what: if if Ani leads them to ten wins, he should be in the Heisman race. I do know. <laughs> That's what I do know, John. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I actually now looking at it now. I mean, that stretch of like. And it's way too early to do like a schedule preview, but like that stretch yeah. of like FAU, La Tech, and Western, with them all being diff- yeah, FAU, La Tech, UTSA, and Western. Yeah, I, I I left UTSA out of it, but um, yeah, I mean that that's just different teams, right? No, with they're gonna look different than they did last year to a degree, but we still expect them to be good. So yeah, yeah, it'll be tough. Uh, second question from GMG Forever: How many wins does Latrell need to hit to have his contract renewed? Um, hmm. I mean, I think it has to be a winning season has to be the minimum seven. standard at this point, right? Seven and five, I think is reasonable. Yeah. Sounds about right to me. Cause like you get to six and six last year with that late season push. If you're able to show a little more growth this year, get to seven and five, maybe eight and four. I think that should be good enough. Oh yeah. I mean, if he gets eight wins, he's, he's good. Yeah. Eight wins, no chance he's gone. Seven and five makes you feel pretty good. I'd think six and six even might get the job done, but at that point, then you're maybe questioning some stuff. Depends who the six losses come to and how they come, I guess. It might come down to the bowl game as well. Yeah. Yeah. If they can break through for that first bowl win, he's definitely coming back. Yeah. If you like seven wins, either way, seven and six, seven and six, um, however you get it, I think we'll do it. Yeah. All right. Appreciate questions. The last question we have, um, can we break 500 this year? So oh, I think we just talked about. definitely, they definitely can break 500 and they, I think they should expect to break 500 given the schedule we talked about. I mean, you look at it, Texas Southern, that's a win. UNLV should be a win. That's two of them right there. You maybe give them the UTEP game, depending how good UTEP is. So that's three wins. I mean, you can pr- maybe a lot tech. They weren't very good last year. I mean, lost yeah. to them last year, but really maybe shouldn't have. Yeah. So that that'll get you to four. FIU and Rice would get you to six. Yeah. I mean, and then you've got games like Western Kentucky, depending how good they are with Zappy gone. Um, that's a chance to win a game there. Even SMU, maybe. I mean, that's a stretch, but I, I think there's enough winnable games on the schedule that they should have a decent chance to at least get to five hundred. Yeah, and last year when you looked at the schedule, we were like, "All right, these game, these are games like there are games on here that they can't win. Like they're they're not yeah. gonna win. Like SMU, UAB, um, Missouri, like even Marshall, and then if you want to throw Liberty in there, you can. But there's like, and then UTSA, obviously. Like there's like five, there were like five or six games last year where you're like, they're not winning these games. This year, three. Yeah, I mean SMU, Memphis, SMU, UTSA. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. That's I mean that's I mean UAB is still gonna be good, but like I don't I don't know I don't know if they're gonna be as good. Um, at some point, you would just assume that they regress to a degree. I mean they've been so damn good, but even if you could just go UAB UTSA, oh, take your pick between SMU and Memphis, I'd probably say SMU might be a little better. Yeah, depending. Okay, yeah. Let's let's say. I mean I don't know. There's only like three real terrifying losses terrifying games on the schedule i, I look at so yeah the when there's no the, like they're gonna have to go play ahead. well they're gonna have to play well to win obviously yeah. but like there's more attain like they, they could do it in theory absolutely and like there's no p5 teams on this schedule like there's no missouri on this schedule which instantly makes all of these games more winnable like that is crazy i didn't yeah i didn't think of that yeah i mean it's all i mean there's a couple of american conference teams but like outside of that i mean all, all of them 
And UNT is going to be moving to the American in a year. So in theory, you should expect to at least be competitive in all of these games, really. Yep, exactly. All right. Appreciate the questions. Let's let's go through the depth chart a bit. All right. Let's go through the depth chart. Um, let's start with quarterbacks. We talked about it briefly. Austin Ani, uh, Stone Earl, J.D. Head, Jace Reuter. Uh, we talked about it all fair. Monty Gilmore in the portal. Case and Martin is elsewhere. Will Keeney is elsewhere, and uh, Bryce Drummond is playing tight end now. So with those guys, not, all, not tight end, linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, Case Martin played tight end when he was here for a bit. But anyways, <laughs> down to four quarterbacks now. I need your I need your definitive spring power rankings one through four. How Man. how how are you got it going right now? All right. Well, I think the easiest spot to pick at this point is one. I think Austin Ani is the clear number one at this point. He's looked good. I mean, he's still shown some of those Austin Ani type of moments where he'll underthrow a deep ball or, you know, just miss on a pass you don't expect him to. But generally, I think he's had a pretty solid spring. And we talked with Latrell after the spring showcase Saturday, and he basically said what, I mean, you'd kind of expect, which is that it's Ani's job to lose. Because, I mean, he's the returning starter. He's kind of got that role uh, until somebody unseats him. So I think the easy pick is Ani at one. Uh, then the interesting pick, I think, to me is probably – I think I got J.D. Head at number two. I've been impressed a bit more by him than Stone Earl to this point. Um, I don't know. I, I To me, I've seen Head hit on some deep balls and hit on some kind of sideline passes that really take a good arm to get them there. Um, that I've been impressed with if he can just find a little bit more of that consistency. And I think that's kind of across the board in this room, finding that consistency with whoever you can is going to be key. Um, and then the three and the four, I mean, I'd probably take Ruder over Earl at this point. I haven't been terribly impressed with Stone Earl. That's not to say he's not a decent QB. I think he can be. Um, I'm not terribly in love with his delivery. It's kind of a baseball style delivery. Seems like he kind of has to put everything he has on pretty much every throw he makes, which is a little concerning, uh, which is why I probably have Ruder over them, but I don't think it's terribly far apart between the two of them. You could kind of call them three a and three B probably to me at this point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything to add. Like I said, I'm going to leave it all to you to uh, evaluate. I mean, we've talked about Austin on before, over the past two years, playing. <laughs> uh, just about his completion percentage being low, his touchdown to interception ratio being low, his yards per attempt being low. I mean, the decision making is always worrisome, and you don't assume that to change when he's going into how, however old he's going to be at this point 28, 29, whatever. Um, you know, it's like how much more can you actually develop at this point? And that's what I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe there is an avenue where he takes a significant step forward, but it's yeah. not going to be athletically. And I don't know um, how it's going to come football wise for him. So, yeah, we'll see. This is fourth year, right? Fourth year at UNT, right? I think so. I think you're right. Because he's probably he's, the last year. Or I think he actually said it is going to be his last 18. year, no matter what. I think that's what he said. Uh, I think Brett Vito had that in one of his stories. Like, shortly after the season ended. So yeah, should be the final year of Austin Ani at UNT, regardless of how it goes. I think this is his fifth year set out first season in Denton following transfer in 2018. The 2019 was backup 2020, 2021, 2022. This will be year five, man. Whew. Yeah. So we'll see how, how he does, but he's going to have to step it up for this team. I think, um, cause it, while he's not the, the quarterback position wasn't the only reason they lost those games last year, but it surely didn't help at times when we were like, all right, well, is Jace Ruder better? Like, we have to think about that. There were times where we were like, Jace Ruder might be better. Yeah. Like, that's concerning. Yeah. Very concerning. So oh, I actually just noticed, uh, if we want to, I, I saw somebody had DM me questions that I hadn't seen yet. So do we want to get to a couple more sure. of these questions real quick? Sure, throw them on. Throw them in. Awesome. Yeah. So this is from Mark Ryan Alexander. He uh, asks four different questions. So the first one is, will Seth return if we have a losing season? I say no. I don't think so. I, 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 yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Like the, the minimum standard at this point probably has to be six and six for this year. And even that maybe is a stretch. It depends how it plays out. But I don't think so. I don't think he's back if they have a losing season. They're going to want to. 
have a clean slate heading into the American, I would figure. Yeah. Seven wins. Yeah. And then, yeah, the next question is how many wins will it take to keep Seth? I think we agree seven wins should be the standard. (laughs) Seven. Seven. That's my motto the whole year. I'm just going to say seven on every There you go. Uh, and then the third is why can't we get a QB on the roster? Um, I don't know. Do you have anything on that? Why can't we get a QB on the roster? Yeah. I think they're trolling us. I think Mark is trolling us because <laughs> <laughs> if anything, there have been too many quarterbacks on this roster and now there are four. So I don't know what else, what else we want here, but we can just go to the next question. Cause I don't have an answer for that. I tend to agree. Um, and then how does recurring oh recruiting compare to the AAC? So I don't know that there's an easy answer on that, but my instinct would be that the American generally recruits better than Conference USA, I would assume. Or, yeah, especially at the top. I mean, the, the top, it's, I mean, you look at, look at SMU, basically. And yeah. That's the whole thing. But the thing, so Houston will be gone from that picture. UCF will be gone from the American as well. But you're still battling with Tulane, Tulsa, SMU, you know, you go down the list of like those teams and those are all teams that are going to be recruiting way better than UTEP, than Rice, then you take your pick of like most of conference, like they're recruiting better than Charlotte, than FIU, like maybe FAU is recruiting to that level. Uh, Marshall has had good seasons in the past. Uh, North Texas, you know, when they were recruiting at a very high level, we're, we're, right there with the American teams. But when you look at North Texas and Conference USA compared to the American, it's more top-heavy in the American, I would say. So Mm. you're going to be competing with better schools, as we know. When you play SMU every year, you get that picture of just what recruiting can do for you. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's the best way of looking at it. But – yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have to step it back up a bit moving forward. I mean, you can't continue to rely on junior college transfers. I mean, lower rated players to step up. I mean, at some point, you got to get back to where you were in 2020, 2021. Yeah, no, 100% agree with you on that. Um, and I did find one more on one of my quote tweets. A little question was hiding there as well, so we can address this one too. But um, it's what do you think the high mark of this team can be and what has to happen for that? You can answer this better than I can, probably. Okay, yeah. So I'll look through the schedule again and see. I mean, high mark, you're definitely beating UTEP for high mark. Um, I think there, you know, if you want to talk high mark, is there like a better year to beat SMU at this point? A little bit of turnover? Like, I think there's ways it could go that they maybe find a way. Like last year, 35 to 12 wasn't as far apart, I don't think, as that final score indicated. Like UNT wasn't crazy competitive in that game, but like for a half, they were pretty competitive. So like you can, you can make an argument. The SMU game is even within the realm of possibility. I mean, I think if you simplify it down without going, even without going game by game, like if you just say they win six, if they go six and two in conference and they go three and one in non-conference, I think that's probably a realistic ceiling. Like as, as as high like yeah. ten wins is I don't think is humanly possible for this team. Yeah, I don't think so either. Nine wins is I think the ceiling of them, and that includes either a win over SMU or Memphis. Yeah, and so that's a huge deal in itself, um, especially since the Memphis game would be on the road, and you know we saw UTSA barely beat them last year on the road. Um, yeah, so you win one of those, and then you beat everybody except like UTSA and UAB in conference. I mean that that it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I mean that feels pretty feasible generally, and like like, I mean, like you said, I don't I don't know how you could expect much more than that. Exactly. So that that's that's a feasible ceiling, and so I think what it would take for them to get there would be Austin Ani playing very well. Um, no, yeah, the no, receivers staying healthy. Exactly, the injury situation not killing them this year, and then young players stepping up and uh, stepping into those roles that you know guys like Deonoville and the Murphy brothers left. So that's. Uh, the secondary also continuing to shore up in the back end, but we'll get to that in a, in a second. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then David Larson was the one with the question. He had one last part. Uh, he asked what the low for this team can be as well. And I mean, 
it's up to you. What do you what do you think? Like, I mean, if it goes really bad, like four wins, five wins. I don't know that they do much worse than that. Like you realistically, you should be able to beat FIU and Rice. Maybe Rice is a little better, but like you gotta expect to beat them and then like beat maybe Texas Southern's the third win, UNLV's four. So I mean, you pick up another conference win out of those others, like a five win season, four or five wins is probably I think the worst it could go. Maybe I'm always scared maybe to say how bad very worse, but I mean yeah, I'm always scared to say how like the worst it could go because then the, yeah, it could always happen, like who knows. But um I think four wins is probably the floor just because – well, here's the thing, and this is why I, I'm an outsider right now, right, with this team. So this is why I defer to you. Yeah. Does it feel like there's a foundation of this team that will keep it above four wins at all costs? Because I feel like in years past, even with – like even if we look um, back way, way, way back, Seth Charles first year, 2016 – uh, when he took over, it was like you had the Jeffrey Wilson, you had a couple mm. solid players here and there, like veteran guys. It yeah. felt like they weren't going to let that team go worse than like five wins. And then you look ahead, you look at um, last year's team, and you have the defensive line. You have, you know, Deion Oville, the Murphys, uh, DeAndre Torrey. You have those guys that it feels like they're not going to let this team just go one and 12, like one and 11. Like it feels yeah. like that's not even on the table. I. Obviously, I'm not around the team, but I feel like there is a lot of turnover with this team. And so when I look at returners, when I look at veterans, when I look at players that are going to have to step into that role of being like, no, we're not – like we can galvanize this team. We can uh, raise this team's floor. Who are we looking at here? Is that Jair Shorter coming back? Is that the receivers, you know, if, they, if they're healthy? Is that Austin Ani? Is that – I mean um, – like, like I'd think KD Davis would be yeah. KD Davis KD would probably Davis. be one of those guys. Uh, Deshaun Gaddy might be another one. Uh, maybe Quinn Whitlock. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would think Gaddy and Davis on the defensive side would be a couple of those guys. Um, maybe a Rod Brown. He's young, but he seems like one of those guys who's kind of stepping into a little bit of a leadership role defensively. Okay. Um, and then like the offensive side, I mean. If Attaway comes back, maybe he can be yeah. one of those kind of guys. I don't know. I haven't Attaway been around him a ton, but I could see that. Attaway would be huge. Um, let's let's keep talking about the uh, the depth chart here. Let's let's go to running back since we're, okay. we're on it right now. Um, you, I feel like this room. While I, I trust everything you're saying, and I I obviously have seen a Kaika Ragsdale, Isaiah Johnson. I covered BK John BK Jackson in recruiting a bit. And Ao Adai uh, is obviously a good player. I feel like this room needs Oscar Adaway to a degree to to yeah. be as potent as it wants to be. Is that fair? I do think that's fair. It, it does get back to that point that um, we made. I mean, early last season, even after the season ended, which is just like good running backs are all fine and well, and UNT has plenty of good running backs, but like you kind of do need that transcendent kind of a guy like what DeAndre Torrey was able to do with some of those clips we posted during the season where it was like, I mean, juke like four dudes and get in the end zone. You know, you need guys who can make those game-breaking kind of plays like that. I think maybe a Kaika Ragsdale can step into some of that, but realistically, like, if Attaway can get back to somewhere near 100%, it feels like he's a guy who could really be that kind of a game-changing type player for them. So I'd agree. I think Attaway would definitely – be a key piece of this room and then that really like having him ragsdale and johnson and then even a day if you want to go for a fourth running back like a core group of those four guys at the top you can kind of lose one if to injury and still feel like you've got a decent three-man rotation there i think that group with attaway there is i mean stacks up with pretty much everybody in the conference you'd figure so if you had to rank ragsdale johnson a day and I don't know if you want to throw BK Jackson in there, but he's a freshman. So that's kind of tough, but if you had yeah. to kind of put them in, in order in your head, obviously you're not the coach, but in your head, how would you kind of do that? I think Ragsdale is definitely the number one at this point. Yeah. I haven't seen a ton of Johnson in camp, so that's not entirely fair to him, but mm -hmm. I, to me, Ragsdale is the best running back out of that group. And then Johnson probably has a slight edge on IO, but I, I see those guys like I see IO pretty favorably. So like, I don't see there being a big drop off between those two guys. Yeah. 
All right, let's look at receivers here because there's a lot of them. Yeah. And I can't tell you. I mean, obviously, the Travion Brown going down with the ACL injury, and so he's out. Um, so that, that you know, shrinks it a little bit as far as the depth goes. But I'll just rattle off these names, and uh, I'll let you kind of react or respond because it's a lot of names here. Bryce you want me Jackson. just react to each one? <laughs> yeah, what, like one word? Like, wow. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all good. I'll let you rattle off all of them, and then I can give you some stuff. Bryson Jackson, Tommy Bush, Jay Macklin, Hatib Lyles, Rod Burns, Jair Shorter, Dorian Morris, Caleb Johnson, Ziglil McMillan, Damon Ward, and uh, if you want to throw uh, Evan Green in there, you can do that as well. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, Jair Shorter's been super limited throughout spring, hasn't taken a ton of reps, so can't say much on him at this point. You'd expect him to be kind of a playmaker type of guy when he gets back, but, I mean, realistically, he's been hurt for a while here, so I don't know that you can fully know what to expect out of him entirely. Um, I mean, at full health, he should be a game-changer type of dude, but you just don't really know. Tommy Bush has looked solid through camp. He's been a little limited as well. They're kind of bringing him back slowly from that injury, which, I mean, totally get it. You don't want him to re-aggravate that and, you know, miss out on another season. But, mm-hmm. I mean, those two guys have been limited-ish, so I don't necessarily have as much on them. Tell you who's really impressed me, though, is Jay Macklin from Missouri. Like, he's been super impressive to the point that I think he might start this year. Like, he's been really good. He, he's had, uh, even from the first day of spring ball, like, had several one-hand catches that day where you could tell he was trying to make an impression. And then just some deep balls to the end zone. I think he scored a touchdown in at least two of the three scrimmages he's had a touchdown in. Granted, he's been going against Lorenzo Thompson for a lot of those reps. So, I mean, it's not like he's going against terribly stiff competition. No disrespect to Lorenzo, but he's beaten Lorenzo consistently through spring ball. So, don't want to read terribly much into that, but man. The Macklin kid can go up and go out there and get a deep ball. He seems like he could play either the outside or the inside receiver positions. And, you know, he's kind of shifty in space too. He's got a little bit of quickness, agility to him that makes him dangerous in space. So really liked what I've seen from him. Uh, Rod Burns has continued to look good through, uh, through spring ball, kind of what you'd expect from him. And um, out of the rest of those guys, I mean, Damon Ward's been fairly limited as well, so hasn't haven't seen a ton from him. But uh, Dorian Morris is a guy who make that move over from defensive back last fall, and he's make a little bit made a little bit of an impression here in spring ball. Hasn't been like a crazy amount, but uh, he's had a couple catches in some of these scrimmages that he's been able to turn into some bigger plays. Seems like he could be a bit of a deep threat. Definitely looks more comfortable at uh, at the receiver spot than uh, he did at DB, at least from what the coaches have said. So. Dorian Morris is a guy who might be able to factor in some in that room. Uh, Seen some flashes from Caleb Johnson. Still, I would say, a bit inconsistent. Wouldn't expect him to be like a big contributor this upcoming year, but could see some some stuff from him. Uh, Hatib Lyles and Zaglil McMillan, seen some solid stuff from them. Wouldn't expect a big jump in production compared to last year at all, but some guys that could be solid factoring in that room. The DeTravion Brown uh, being out for the year or likely out for the year with ACL, um, that's a tough loss to me because you could see some of the flashes last year. I mean, he's got that huge catch at the end of the UTEP game to set up the game-winning field goal. Like, that's a pretty substantial loss for this room of a guy who was kind of – felt like he was coming into his own a little as kind of a deep threat over the top. So don't love to see that. But if the rest of that room can stay healthy, they've got plenty of guys to kind of step up – and yeah, I don't remember if I mentioned Bryson Jackson, but he's been fairly limited as well, so I haven't seen a ton from him. Okay. Yeah, McMillan and Caleb Johnson were the two I was actually very interested in hearing about. So for them not to be doing too much is kind of disappointing, but especially yeah. since they were so, such good recruits out of that 2021 class. But yeah, uh, tight ends. Marquise Gums, Christian Lee, Jake Roberts, Asher Alberting. Yeah, this has, been, this has been kind of the fun room, man, because like... Jake Roberts has looked good. They've been getting him the ball a little bit. Obviously, we know what he can do blocking-wise. He kind of was that blocking tight end to Pirtle's pass catching last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Roberts is pretty clearly the de facto starter at this point. He, he's yeah. been very solid throughout spring. But then you look beyond him, like, Varkey's gums has been really impressive through spring, man. They've gotten him the ball a bunch on these little, like, tight end screen plays, just throw him the ball out in the flat and let him make some kind of a play. And 
he, he's really, I mean, consistently been able to make some stuff out of not a whole lot in those kind of plays. I mean, really showing off some of that athleticism. And the key thing with him, it seems like, is he's finally coming into his own more as a blocker too, really making that more of a point of emphasis. And that's why he's been getting on the field more from what the coaching staff has said. Now that he's bought in, or maybe bought in is not the right word, but he's kind of taking that Figured extra step in the blocking department. It seems like he can get on the field a lot more. Seen him a lot on some of the third down situations during scrimmages, which I could definitely see as the season rolls around, you know, get him for those third and mediums, get him the ball. Um, especially in this last scrimmage, I think he had like six or seven different uh, catches at different points, several of them just to move the sticks on third down. So I've been really impressed with him. Um Xavier Kata is another one who's been solid in that room. He's gotten some catches here and there. Don't know if he'll factor in heavily, but he's a guy who maybe could get some snaps here and there, depending how it shakes out. I haven't seen a ton from Christian Lee. I think he's been maybe a little banged up. Uh, and then Asher Alberding has been the same way, a bit banged up. Haven't seen much from him. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if Jason Pirtle can catch passes, uh, I think Varkese Gums can, can do the Oh, same you mean Jake Roberts? No, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, Jay. I mean, if Pirtle last year can put up numbers, oh, oh, okay. Um, I think Varkis Gums can can do the same, just from an athletic yeah. standpoint. Varkis Gums is an amazing athlete. We knew that coming out of high school. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's it's interesting to see him continue to step up. I think that's a nasty one-two punch, though. Jake Roberts yeah. and Varkis Gums. Yeah, you could run some nice two tight end sets with those guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, offensive line. There's too many names. I'm not going to read them, but if you had to project. <laughs> If you had to project a starting five right now, who who's your who's the five? Or at least based yeah. on spring, I guess. Okay, yeah. With, with the guys currently in the room, because as I said before, I'd expect them to add another transfer or two to that room more than likely. Yeah. But with the guys currently in the room, I'll go left to right. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Cole Brown in camp, but he's pretty clearly the starter at left tackle when he's out there. So pretty easy choice there. Gabe Blair's been in there at left guard the whole time. You'd expect to see him there. Uh, I think Daisy on Carroll's we've been seeing at center and uh, Manasseh Mose at right guard, which we saw that toward the end of last season. Um, so I'd expect those four definitely to start. And then uh, Jet Duncan's the guy who's kind of filled that right tackle spot so far. So I generally would expect him at this point. He hasn't, you know, done anything maybe crazy outstanding, but he also hasn't done anything that looked terribly bad. I think he's been serviceable over there, which is, you know, kind of what they're going to need. It seems like at this point, um, just out of that spot, depending if they add somebody else out of the portal. But I think Jet Duncan's probably the guy I would project for that fifth spot to kind of fill uh, fill the void left with Brammer transferring over to Vanderbilt. It feels like th- they have 13 offensive linemen on the roster right now. If That feels kind of shallow. I feel like yeah. usually you want three full – like you want three full units. Like you want 15, I feel, mm-hmm. uh, usually, um, especially with some of these being walk-ons. Yeah. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm overreacting to it, but yeah, 13 – does feel a little shallow, but that, that's a good starting five, though. I'm not. Yeah, no, I think that can stack up with most uh, most lines in Conference USA for sure. Should be, you know, good enough to get the job done. I would think, especially if they can establish the run game pretty well with those guys, shouldn't yeah. be shouldn't be too much of an issue. You'd figure plenty of experience coming back. Yeah, what have you seen from the defensive line now? Uh, if we go to the other side, obviously we talked about Rod Brown, D tackle, yeah. project him to be very very good. Uh, then you have a bunch of other guys that are pretty much. Or not, I'm not even gonna say pretty much. All these guys are unproven. Uh, whether <laughs> John, whether it's Jonathan Pickett, Trent Ward, Fahiti Vela, I can never see his name. Uh, Kevin Green, Dayton LeBlanc, Calvin Hutchins, Cortland Rossall, Tayshon Johnson, Tom Treep, Enoch Johnson, uh, Jackson. How 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 have those guys shaken out so far? Well, I'll tell you one guy I will mention uh, just because when you said his name, it popped into my head. But Calvin Hutchings actually had an interception during this last spring scrimmage. <laughs> um, it was a slant ball over the middle. I can't remember who was throwing it. It might have been Ani, but he threw it. Might have been a little too hard. Bounces off of Rod Burns' hands and Hutchings kind of dives and, you know, picks the ball off. I'm not sure if he actually got the pick clean because it's just a scrimmage type of deal. But like, yeah. You know, that was just a fun little play that popped out. I think he's a guy who probably provides some depth in that D-line room. But, like, looking at the kind of starting group, I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be Tom Treeb at one of the DN spots, at kind of that Grayson Murphy spot. Uh, Rod Brown and then Enoch Jackson are kind of your top three, I would feel like at this point. Those guys should be solid, very good players out there. Um, I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen out of Treeb from coming in from College of DuPage. He's a guy that... I mean, Phil Bennett and Seth Luttrell have both said he's one of the fastest guys on the team, and 
you, you can see flashes of that when he's uh, taking reps out there against some of these O-linemen. Like, he, he'll make guys look pretty slow out there that aren't usually looking all that slow. So I, I've been pretty impressed with Treeb. I think he could have a big impact getting to the passer. And then as far as the devil spot goes, that's one where you're maybe not as crazy confident in uh, kind of the depth there or just the top end guys. Cause as you said, a little unproven, but like Sifa Leota is a guy who's, I think, you know, walked onto the team last year and played in a couple games and looks like he's a uh, kind of the first teamer at this point uh, from what I've seen. Carson crop uh, is a guy who seems like he's been getting plenty of reps there too. Uh, and then I think Chris Wright's a guy who's gotten some reps there. Those are kind of the three that have gotten reps at that devil spot. Um, and one guy I wanted to mention is kind of a backup on the interior. Cortland Rossaw has been getting plenty of reps back there. Mm-hmm. I'd expect him to step into a, a little bigger role this season. But uh, Chris yeah, Wright makes sense. Chris Wright makes sense because out of high school at Alito, he was kind of like that. He was a defensive end, but he was also like an athletic, could move around to like an outside linebacker spot. So that that makes sense for for Chris Wright out there from Alito. Uh, as a retro freshman. Yeah. Um, hey, you ready to go to linebackers? Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are they? I mean, Bryce Drummond. <laughs> Bryce Drummond. Um, Katie Davis, uh, Jordan Brown. Cole McCrary is a linebacker now, too. Oh, I'm not even sure. I haven't, I hadn't even noticed that, to be honest with you. He was, that's, that's the tight end. The former tight end, Cole McCrary. Yeah, I haven't, haven't. I mean, mm-hmm. evidently, yeah. I haven't seen a ton out of him so far. Well, but uh, yeah. okay, well, actually, because I, I only remember this really. Yeah, I remember in 2019 he caught one pass for 41 yards against Louisiana Tech in garbage time, and I don't know why that play just sticks with me. So I'm pretty sure he played <laughs> linebacker last year too, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kevin Wood, Sean Thomas Faulkner, Larry Nixon, Taylor Jacobs, uh, Jax Van Zant. Uh, you can fill in any of those guys that I'm not naming, uh, if they're impact players. When I, uh, Landon Maston from Mary Harden Baylor, looks like UMHB. Um, I mean, this is a group that on paper we should be what the most comfortable with on the team between Katie Davis, Jordan Brown, Kevin Wood, Sean Thomas Faulkner, Larry Nixon. I mean, that's five, that's four dudes right there. Five dudes right there that can all play. Yeah, no, I, I, I would tend to agree. I think I'd expect uh, like, so the guys who've gotten the most reps through spring so far is Larry Nixon and Jordan Brown, uh, mainly because KD, I mean, they know what they've gotten him. They're not trying to get him banged up. And then, Kevin Woods had a little bit of a knock, it seems like. Nothing too serious from what I can tell. But, um, yeah, so Larry Nixon and Jordan Brown have kind of gotten those ones reps. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I think that foursome of KD, Kevin Wood, Larry Nixon, Jordan Brown, you know what you're going to get from those guys. You should feel pretty good about them out there. I think Sean Thomas Faulkner is maybe – I mean, this – to me, I mean, he started at safety in the bowl game. I kind of see him factoring in more in that defensive backs room at this point, mm-hmm. not so much at the linebacker spot to me. Um especially with the fact that uh, not getting too far ahead, but like Quinn Whitlock has seen a lot of the time at that Eagle spot that Sean Thomas Faulkner uh, was kind of the backup bet behind Tyreek Davis. So I'd assume at this point, I'm feeling like Sean Thomas Faulkner sees more time as a DB, but those other four that you mentioned definitely make you feel solid about it, about that linebackers group. And uh, one thing Phil Bennett has mentioned during spring ball is he's looking at going to some more three man front stuff, get some more of those linebackers on the field. So, I mean, you get all four of those guys on the field at once. That could be a pretty, uh, pretty lethal combo. Yeah, especially when you don't have the Murphy brothers and everyone complaining to play a four down front. That's <laughs> you can maybe try some other things. Yeah. Um, all right. What else? Uh, secondary. So you kind of mentioned it. Um, I'll I'll leave this to you because there's a lot. But how do you kind of see the the starting, whether it's uh, the outside corners, safeties, um, all those spots. Yeah, so I think I'll start with the corners. John Davis is pretty clearly going to be one of the starters, one of the more experienced guys in that group. No no big surprise there. John Davis will be a starter at corner, I feel like, assuming his health. Um, and then Deshaun Gaddy looks like he's going to be staying over at that corner spot. Looks like he'll probably be one of the, the other starter over there. Missed a little time late in spring, maybe got a little knock or something, but I, I think generally he's probably the other starting cornerback. Uh Zahadri Jackson from Utah State has factored in as kind of that number three corner. He took over for Gaddy when Gaddy was out. So I could see Zahadri Jackson making some noise in that room for sure. Grad transfer from Utah State. So this will be his last year. But um, 
then the safety spots are where it kind of gets interesting because you don't really have a ton of, I guess, continuity from, from last year. You lose Mikhail Sanders, and then Sean Thomas Faulkner hasn't played a ton in the spring. I'd expect him mm-hmm. to factor in back there uh, at some of those safety spots, I feel like. But um, Keelan Crosby is a guy who's really emerged during spring as definitely going to be one of the starting safeties. He had one practice earlier in the spring where he had like three interceptions in the same practice. So he's been a guy who's really impressed so far through uh, through the spring. And a guy I feel like is probably going to be, well, definitely going to be one of the starters at safety, assuming he's healthy. And I mean, he's a guy who's coming off like, you know, really being injured every year he's been at UNT up until now. Started in the bowl game and really made an impression on Phil Bennett. So definitely expect him. And then uh, as far as the other safety spot, like Nick Nakwasaw from Central Arkansas was factoring in there a good bit um, early on. Got a little bit of a knock that kept him out uh, for kind of the last week or so of spring ball. Not sure how serious that is at this point, but um you know, he's a guy who could definitely factor in there. We'll see how that shakes out. But uh, Harold West has gotten a lot of the starter reps there since Nick Nakwasa has been out. That's so what I was going to ask about, yeah. Harold West is definitely a guy I could see factoring in pretty heavily there. Um, and then, like, the backup safeties, Logan Wilson transferred over from Louisiana Monroe a couple years back. He's factored in there some. Could see him playing a bit of a role. Um, I think Dylan Williams has been back at safety some. I don't know that he'll factor in a ton. Haven't been terribly impressed with him, but another guy who maybe could have a bit of an impact there. Um, but yeah, I think Harold West has has looked solid. He's still looked like a young guy who's kind of getting his footing a little bit. So maybe he looks better as fall progresses. But uh, to me, I like Sean Thomas Faulkner and Keelan Crosby to be the two starting safeties come fall. Nice. Nice. There you go. Um and special teams wise, it's still Ethan Mooney and Bernardo Rodriguez. Yep, nothing has changed in that regard in the last <laughs> like three years. I don't, I don't think. Uh, so shout out to them. Yeah, I was um, gonna say. I mean, do we want to get into like kick return and punt return at all? If you, hey, this is this is all you. If you want to get into it, go ahead. Yeah, who, might as well. So I, because I, I kind of wrote down some of those guys here from the scrimmage, just some of the guys who've been getting time there. But uh, Jay Macklin's one guy who's factored in both of the return units. I could see them trying to get him the ball a bunch because he's pretty dynamic athlete out there. So I think he'll factor in. Um, if I can find the notes here, I've got it written down. Um, who was back there? I think. Zigleo McMillan was back there for some of the kick return stuff as well. Um, I think Rod Burns was more on punt return, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, and then let me see if I can find anybody else. But I think generally, like, if they're able to stay healthy, they've got some athletes back there who could make some noise. Uh, Dorian Morris, if I remember correctly, might have seen some time back there that too. Makes that makes sense. That would make some sense. Uh, oh, here we go. So kick return that for the first group for kick return was Macklin and Zaglio McMillan. Uh, Caleb Johnson saw a little time back there as well. And then punt return looked like Rod Burns, Jay Macklin got some reps, Zaglio McMillan got some reps there. So, I mean, should feel fairly good about all of those guys being able to make some plays back there. I'd think. Yeah. All right. Last question I have for you, um, unless you want to go with something else. Um, give me, one surprise player on each side of the ball. One player that's you that's caught your eye that maybe maybe is underrated. Maybe you weren't expecting them to be that good. Uh, obviously, we've talked about everybody on the roster pretty much at this point, so you've covered them, I'm sure. But yeah, give me one on each side of the ball. Who would it be? Uh, I'll start on the defensive side because I think really I didn't expect Keelan Crosby to be that big of a factor in the defensive backfield. Like it genuinely seems like Phil Bennett's got a ton of confidence in him as kind of the best safety on the roster at this point, really. So Keelan Crosby's really been impressive and kind of a guy who I didn't necessarily feel like was, you know, that kind of a guy, I guess it makes you realize how much of that maybe was just down to injuries and him never being out there is why didn't see him emerge as much, but uh, him and then uh, Sifa Leota, I got to mention him too on the defensive side before I get to an offensive guy, because genuinely like his speed off the edge, I mean, and they seem to think pretty highly of him too, as he's gotten a lot of those starting reps at the devil spot. But I think Sifaleota could be a real uh, a real factor in that rotation this year, if not the starter. And when you say the devil spot, I want to make sure everyone's clear. Devil spot's kind of like an outside linebacker slash defensive end type position. Then when yeah. you say the eagle spot, it's more of like a nickel safety corner type role, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like a like a safety linebacker kind of a role, basically. Okay, so there you go. 
All right, offense, who you got? Offense? That's a good question. I mean, if we're looking at just strictly anybody, like Jay Macklin's been the most impressive guy to me. Um, I mean, just a really good receiver. You can see the talent there. It's pretty evident. Can play inside and outside, like I've said before. Really expect him to be a big difference maker in that room this year. And then I'll go to Varquez Gums as well, just to highlight him again, because, man, he looks like the kind of guy who can make some of those game-changing type plays that they're going to need out of that offense. And, like, if you want to talk about guys that can make a quarterback's life easier when maybe you're not the most confident in what they're bringing potentially, like if you're not as confident in on him, just get the ball to gums in the flat, man, and let him make a play because he's shown through spring he's been able to make some plays with the Rocks. So like both of those guys on offense for sure. Is it fair to say the receivers and the linebackers are North Texas' two best position groups? Um. Well, who are you throwing in there? Who, what, what, I think what, I, I might put the running backs room in there just because I, I really like the, I like the depth there. And I just feel like the receivers, there's a little more uncertainty just with Shorter and Bush on the top end. Like if you get the best out of Jair Shorter and Tommy Bush, I think that's the best position group on the whole team. I just yeah. don't quite know what you're going to get out of them coming back from injuries and that kind of thing. So that's where I would maybe err to the running backs on the offensive side, but I would agree. I think linebackers are definitely the deepest on defense and the defensive backfield's got a chance to be, you know, better than it has been in recent years. I think with some of the guys they've brought in. Yeah. I think I'm in the position of just on, on defense, you know, show me like the secondary has to show me at this point. Like there's the past, after the past two years, um, it is nice to have the same defensive coordinator going into the year that they had last (laughs) year, uh, for the first time since I don't even know, 2019, but, uh, that's my whole thing with the defense, especially losing the Murphy brothers and Dion Oville, arguably three of your best players on defense. Yeah. Um, and know, Cam Hill you, off the bench too. That's a tough loss. Tyreek Davis. Like, you know, you lose a lot of talent and it was a defense that was inconsistent early and then kind of figured it out. And so uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it does, but that I think I speak for like the fans in this regard where it's like, all right, you know, we can hear all we want about X and O and whoever Jimmy Joe, but at a certain point, you know, we'll have to see it on the field. But yeah. we are still like four months away from that happening. So this has been great information uh, on your end. Yeah, no, I'm glad we're getting able to, you know, able to get to talk about a bunch of this stuff. Because, I mean, like we kind of started this off with, it's pretty exciting time of the year. A lot of stuff to be optimistic about. So it's always fun to get to have these kind of conversations and be able to speculate on what it's going to look like here in four months. So I'm glad yeah. to have been able to do it. Exactly. So um yeah man you you can uh wrap this up you can get us get us out of here i gotta go watch uh gotta go watch the masters go gotta go watch the end of it exactly man you're rooting for your guy uh scotty scheffler out there right <laughs> yep, yep scotty scheffler love scotty scheffler today <laughs> at any rate thanks everybody for uh listening appreciate all you guys who sent in questions always great to get those and be able to answer those as best as we can uh, follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247 for all the latest news. See about some late additions to the 22 class potentially and all of that. Follow Matthew on Twitter at MatthewBurney underscore. Follow me at JohnFieldZero, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.